J.C. Ryle's Devotional Thoughts on the Gospel of Luke Section 139 Jesus' Burial Luke chapter 23, verses 50 through 56 And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just. The same had not consented to the counsel and deed of them. He was of Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in a sepulchre that was hewn in stone, wherein never man before was laid. And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. And the women also which came with him from Galilee followed after, and beheld the sepulchre, and how his body was laid. And they returned, and prepared spices and ointments, and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. We see from these verses that Christ has some disciples of whom little is known. We're told of one Joseph, a good man and a just, a man who had not consented to the counsel of those who condemned our Lord, a man who himself waited for the kingdom of God. This man went boldly to Pilate after the crucifixion, begged the body of Jesus, took it down from the cross, and laid it in a tomb. We know nothing of Joseph excepting what is here told us. In no part of the Acts or Epistles do we find any mention of his name. At no former period of our Lord's ministry does he ever come forward. His reason for not openly joining the disciples before we cannot explain. But here, at the eleventh hour, this man is not afraid to show himself one of our Lord's friends. At the very time when the apostles had forsaken Jesus, Joseph is not ashamed to show his love and respect. Others had confessed him while he was living and doing miracles. It was reserved for Joseph to confess him when he was dead. The history of Joseph is full of instruction and encouragement. It shows us that Christ has friends of whom the church knows little or nothing. Friends who profess less than some do, but friends who in real love and affection are second to none. It shows us, above all, that events may bring out grace in quarters where at present we do not expect it, and that the cause of Christ may prove one day to have many supporters of whose existence we are at present not aware. These are they whom David calls hidden ones and Solomon compares to a lily among thorns. Psalm 83.3, Song of Solomon 2.2 Let us learn from the case of Joseph of Arimathea to be charitable and hopeful in our judgments. All is not barren in this world when our eyes perhaps see nothing. There may be some latent sparks of light when all appears dark. Little plants of spiritual life may be existing in some remote Romish or Greek or Armenian congregations which the Father himself has planted. 
Grains of true faith may be lying hid in some neglected English parish which have been placed there by God. There were seven thousand true worshippers in Israel of whom Elijah knew nothing. The day of judgment will bring forward men who seemed last and place them among the first. 1 Kings 19.18 We see secondly from these verses the reality of Christ's death. This is a fact that is placed beyond dispute by the circumstances related about his burial. Those who took his body from the cross and wrapped it in linen could not have been deceived. Their own senses must have been witness to the fact that he whom they handled was a corpse. Their own hands and eyes must have told them that he whom they laid in Joseph's sepulchre was not alive, but dead. The importance of the fact before us is far greater than a careless reader supposes. If Christ did not really die, there would be an end of all the comfort of the gospel. Nothing short of his death could have paid man's debt to God. His incarnation and sermons and parables and miracles and sinless obedience to the law would have availed nothing if he had not died. The penalty threatened to the first Adam was death eternal in hell. If the second Adam had not really and actually died in our stead, as well as taught us truth, the original penalty would have continued in full force against Adam and all his children. It was the lifeblood of Christ which was to save our souls. Forever let us bless God that our great Redeemer's death is a fact beyond all dispute. The centurion who stood by the cross, the friends who took out the nails and laid the body in the grave, the women who stood by and beheld, the priests who sealed up the grave, the soldiers who guarded the sepulchre, all, all are witnesses that Jesus actually was dead. The great sacrifice was really offered. The life of the Lamb was actually taken away. The penalty due to sin has actually been discharged by our own divine substitute. Sinners believing in Jesus may hope and not be afraid. In themselves, they are guilty. But Christ has died for the ungodly, and their debt is now completely paid.